This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson, Jason Lloyd, and Tom Reed. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Civilized Barking Podcast, episode three. We're so new that I can still keep count. I'm Zach Jackson. In the first two episodes, I was joined by Jason Lloyd. Today, I am joined by the most interesting man who works for The Athletic, Tom Reed. Tom, welcome to Civilized Barking. Well, it's nice to be here. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> we will see how it goes. Uh, we were supposed to start about an hour and a half ago. We had to get Tom hooked up. No, not. I'm just kidding. Um, it is cut down weekend. This is Sunday as we record. If you're new here, and we know a lot of you are, first, thanks for coming. Secondly, uh, this is a brand new podcast, as I previously mentioned. The Monday, well, which this is, the first week episode will be available on Apple and all your favorite uh, podcast platforms. The second one, which will generally be Thursday, will only be available through the athletic app and website to subscribers. It's not always going to be Monday and Thursday. Um, the Browns schedule takes a couple of twists and turns, and sometimes real life gets in the way. Uh, I've covered the Browns for 20 years, so we don't know how this is going to go. <laughs> However, Tom, there are real there are real expectations. Uh, there are reasons to think this season is going to be vastly different than many of the other seasons. And I'll just start by quoting the great Freddie Kitchens and saying, oh, hell, thank you, the preseason, for being over and bring me some real football. Yep. It's, uh, you know, fans have been waiting for this for how many months now? Really, it's since the end of the regular season, and they saw the potential that was there already. And then to add a receiver like Odell Beckham, and some of the other moves that they have made to strengthen this team, uh, to add to the pass rush. Uh, again, you've covered this team for 20 years. I've been on and off for uh, a, a portion of that, too. I don't ever remember going into a season uh, with this much expectation. I think the only one that could possibly maybe come back is maybe 2008, and that was kind of a season, 2007, as we look back, it was kind of fool's gold. But you remember there was a lot of kind of expectation for that season because they had gone 10 and 6. But that faded really quickly. Even if they get off to a poor start, it's not going to fade because they've just got too many good players and too much talent. Yeah, you would think this team is built to last. Uh, you look at the best players and they're 24, 23, 25, 26 years old. I know I went a little out of order there, but names keep coming to mind. Um this is not just Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham's team. Uh, this nope. team has Miles Garrett. This team has Nick Chubb. This team has Jarvis Landry. This team has Joel Batonio. Uh, this team has Sheldon Richardson and Olivier Vernon and Demarius Randall and Denzel Ward and Jamie Gillen. And the list goes on and on. Um, 08 is the only comparison, Tom. Uh, of course, if you're listening to this Browns-centric podcast, you know the last time this franchise had a winning record was 2007. You know, they haven't been in the playoffs since 2002. Uh, in 2008, um, immediately expectations went through the roof. They had the maximum six national games. Uh, they traded their draft pick. They had already traded their first pick away. They traded their draft picks to go get veteran defensive linemen. Uh, everybody, uh, GM, head coach, both coordinators got extensions. Uh, after that 07 season, excitement was an all-time high, and it went in flames. Everybody got fired um, after getting those extensions. It never worked for Derek Anderson again. It didn't work for Kellen Winslow, for Braylon Edwards. The list could go on and on. This is We're going to look forward here, though. And, and Tom, just, you mentioned um, Odell Beckham, and that's where I want to start. I, I think we'll get to a little bit of the news of the weekend and week 
but I want to go big picture here as we kind of shift to regular season mode. And, and without making a list, um, to me, the single biggest move of this offseason was Odell Beckham for several reasons. One, I think it's bigger than the hiring of Freddie Kitchens as the coach because I always believe in Jimmy's and Joe's over X's and O's. But to me, it just signaled that, okay, the Brown, we know the Browns are young. We know they've got some players finally, right? Uh, it, it just signaled that we're not, hey, this is a dangerous young team that finally has some positive momentum. It was, hey, this this guy is an elite player, and he's on this team now, and this team is trying to win and thinks it can win right now. Absolutely. I mean, it's it would be one thing to kind of have the uh, just I don't want to say homegrown, but it just but just to let it evolve naturally, and it might it might have just done that anyway. Let's let, let's back it up. They haven't done anything yet, but they they were kind of on the course. You just mentioned all these young players. Just kind of an organic, natural evolution. But you know what? Sometimes, Zach, it doesn't quite work out that way, does it? There's something that you expect to happen maybe in two or three years. Something happens. Injuries. Guys get traded. Things don't work out. So John Dorsey said, our window's opening. I want to go out and get the best receiver that might be possibly on the market. And that's Odell Beckham. And they went out and got him. And right away, the expectations went through the roof. You've got a general manager there that's not afraid to take chances, and I applaud him for it. Uh, and they, they, they're, they're definitely now a contender. They've got that huge piece that Browns fans for years thought they were hoped they would ever have in Josh Gordon, and it, we all saw how that turned out. This guy doesn't have those kind of problems at all. A uh, little bit of a diva, but that's okay. He's come in here and has been nothing but ready to go and ready to play. Uh, never had a problem in the past with kind of off-field stuff. His on-field talent speaks for itself. Absolutely a home run decision there. You ever mention Josh Gordon's name on this podcast again, your ass will be grounded, barred. <laughs> so I got my first yellow, I, I, get, I get one <laughs> yellow card. I, I'm already got a card. We're only five minutes in. <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking, you know, it was a year ago this week that Josh Gordon played his last game for the Browns. Oh, um, you know, waiver wire weekend, cut down weekend. Carlos Hyde now on his fourth team in 18 months. Um, Deshaun Kaiser on his third team in 16 months. Uh, it's a wild, wild league. Um, you know, you build your core and you don't know where it's going to go. Not every every move hits. Um, Dorsey's hitting an incredible batting average at this point as you make a soccer reference and I make a baseball reference. Um, <laughs> one more thing on Odell, and, and I'm really excited for fans to see him if you haven't seen him, because to watch him in practice, it's like not even a human being the way he gets in and out of his cuts. He's, he's so good. But, you know, I knew the Browns saw that as something that could happen. And Jarvis Landry said, we spoke it into existence. And I think to a point he and Baker did, um, it always kind of loomed out there. But Tom, I didn't think it would happen for several reasons. One, you know, signing a guy to 65 million guaranteed and then trading him eight months later is, is unprecedented. That's what the, the, uh, the Giants did. Um, I thought even if they did, the asking price would be ridiculous. We've seen varying reports that that they maybe, um, you know, Odell believes that they turned down better offers to ship him to Cleveland. Uh, you know, is kind of a way to spite him. It obviously was really bad there, and we will see. But the one thing I, I thought before the Odell trade, I thought, okay, this is a team trending in the right direction, and they're going to learn some lessons this year about what it's like to be a marked team and be a relevant NFL team. And when they got him, I mean, I still think those lessons have to be learned 
for now and into the future. But when they got him, I'm like, this offense has potential to be one of the league's best. Absolutely. They're never going to be out of games. I, I think the, the, what the hope for me, if, if I'm a Browns fan, I hope that the Browns, if I were a fan, that to finally, for the first time in 20 years, play with leads for a change. But you are have a little bit of comfort level, and we both covered that 0-16 team. And you could count to 10. If they got back down by 10 points, the game was over, right? There was no way the Browns were coming back. And you could probably say that about a lot of those teams. Now, if they get down by 10 points, hey, that's two drives. They could get right back in it with this offense. And, and that's the guy's going to be the catalyst right there. Uh, you're never going to be out of a game. The thing that's second on my list, uh, <clears throat> you know, 1A and 1B maybe, is obviously the hiring of Freddie Kitchens. Uh, meteoric rise. You know how it happened. Um, some things went, <laughs> a lot of things went a certain way. But most importantly, uh, Baker Mayfield, who was held back by the previous coach, uh, who was surprise number one pick to many, including himself, if you believe him, um, all of a sudden just came out of nowhere and played at a really high level. He wasn't perfect. The team wasn't perfect. But this offense was humming. Uh, Freddie was calling the plays. It was an aggressive offense. It was a share the wealth offense. Uh, he he was super accurate as he was advertised to be. He ripped the ball deep. That throw to Jarvis Landry in the Carolina game, I believe, is the greatest throw ever made in that stadium. Low bar, I know, but it's really good. But to me, to me, Tom, uh, I just think it was always going to have to be Freddie because you couldn't break up this chemistry, given the importance of quarterback play in the league, given the the history of this franchise. Um, but there are still questions. You've written about some of them game management-wise. He's just never done this. He's undefeated now. Everybody's happy. He's a hell of a good guy. He entertains us every single day in press conferences. He sticks up for his players, guys like that. Uh, but he has not had a week like this one, and then one that follows. And then, you know, we don't know how any of this is going to go. So um, tell me where you think Freddie Kitchens and the Browns will go over the next few months and what your biggest concern is as far as the head coaching chair with this team. Well, it's just going to be it's going to be handling the unexpected that's going to come up in, in, in with any team. Uh, they're going to they're going to lose games that you don't expect them to lose. Maybe uh, they're going to look, look, Zach. They've got a, a really I think we both agree a, a really t- testing first seven games, uh, and and you can't afford to get down if if let's say they're they're two and well let's say they're three and four. It's after seven games, and people are picking them to win 11, 12 games. Well, look, you've got to be able to lead these guys through this. Like, this is, we knew this was going to be difficult. It's, it's, it's almost like Mike Tomlin made that schedule. It's not just the teams that they're playing. It's they're playing, they're going out west to play on a Monday night game. And then they have to fly back east. They, they, I think they play the, what, the Jets on a Monday night and then come have the Rams. Are you mm-hmm. kidding me? The next game? Yeah. Is, that, is that, is it week two and three? Is that, am I right on that? Yeah. Um, and, and I think when you look at a big picture issue, it's that. It's that. It's, Can it's, this it's, team, is this team good enough to beat the likes of the Rams, the Patriots, the two Super Bowl teams, the standard? Uh, I think maybe, right? I I, I don't. I, when, you, when you, I'm answering big picture here, I'm thinking more of the metal of this team is going to be tested right away. I think they can. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not even worried about that. But just getting, let's say they don't. Let's say they lose the Rams game and they're sitting maybe at one and two. Are people going to start getting panicky? And this is where I think, this is where when we talk about Freddie Kitchens, can he lead these guys, both he and Mayfield? I think Mayfield's a really good 
going to be a really good leader. Right. Uh, can they get those guys through some tough stretches early on? I think it's a, it's a fabulous test, and it's going to be a tremendous test of Freddie Kitchens, the CEO. Can he rally these guys if they don't start well, if they do have an injury? Because that's what people want to see with him. Because they, they, they've already seen the fact that he can call plays and do that stuff. Yeah, the game management, he's going to have to be able to pick that stuff up, but there's going to be a learning curve. It's the leadership. Can you keep this this train on track uh, when things go bad? And I, I think it'll be a good test right away these first seven weeks to see how they do in that. That's, to me, the thing I'm looking at. And make no mistake, it is a freight train. We are just not 100% confident the brakes are going to work if they need them, right? Is that a fair analogy? Yeah, yeah. Again, and, and it's, it's again, it's a tough schedule. You've, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of things that could go wrong, and, and I hate, you know, I, I we we had to do Jason and I, Jason Lloyd and I had to do this half half, half almost said half ass half glass half full, glass half empty. I had the glass <laughs> half full thing, and I kind of felt bad. And even some of the commenters were like, "Boy, this is kind of pessimistic." I'm just trying to be realistic. I don't ever remember picking the Browns to go to a playoffs in the new era. And I, I, I think they're going to go to the playoffs. But you also have to be realistic about some of this stuff. And we're talking about this. If they get through that stretch three and four, I think they're in good shape. And I, I think that will tell me that they have been able to weather some storms. And if they go four and three, that's fantastic. Uh, so I think the leadership and the metal of this team will be tested early this season. And we'll see if they're going to be able to handle it. It's a young group with an inexperienced head coach. Not saying they can't. They may do it just fantastic. And if they get through that stretch, uh, it's going to be a really fun second half of the season. When Freddie was named head coach, uh, he immediately told Greg Williams, thanks for your service. Pack your shit. Get out. (laughs) Um, (laughs) A day and a half later, he had Steve Wilkes in the building. Steve Wilkes, of course, uh, one year and done as the Arizona head coach last year, the new defensive coordinator here. And they went and got him some new toys. They traded for Olivier Vernon. They spent a lot of money to get in Sheldon Richardson. Um, they didn't have a first-round pick. They brought in Greedy Williams, who I don't think is going to start right away. The point is, um, they turned defensive line from an area of concern into an area of strength. Um, they had already some experienced players to go along with who they feel is a future star if he can stay healthy in the secondary in Denzel Ward. We don't know what's going to happen for Joe Schobert or Christian Kirksey past 2019, but they are established NFL players, established guys in the Browns locker room. They had the linebacking core. Um, and all the hype, understandably, for the offense, right? And all the thought mm-hmm. of the early offseason anyway, Tom, is the, off- the offense can score, the offense has the sizzle, the offense has celebrity power, star power, Right. Um, But, you know, as you look at it, the defense is pretty good, too. And I think there is a chance. I think there are not. I I know there's more than a chance. Let me let me clarify this. I think there are games that there will be opportunities for this D line to flat out dominate and change and allow the Browns to win if they don't have their A game offensively or in some other area, because I think Miles Garrett combined with those other three guys alongside of him can be that good. Well, I I agree with you. And just imagine if to go back to your original point about there's going to be, I think, I don't know if you said it on this earlier or you said it on an earlier podcast, there's going to be games where this team can score 40 points. But just if this team can play with leads, that defense is going to be so dangerous late in games with leads where teams have to, they're in passing, uh, they're in predictable passing positions. I mean, 
my goodness, with that pass rush. And don't forget, Zach, this was a team that was second in the league last year with 31 takeaways. That, that could, they could improve on that, uh, given the fact that now you're going to have another legitimate pass rusher on the other side of Garrett and a secondary that was very opportunistic last year. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think this defense is going to uh, write its own story as well. They're one eighteen and one in season openers. Um, oh. Since you brought up the turnover stat, I'm gonna bring up that stat. As you and I talked on the phone the other day, there is not one stat in any sport, any level that equates to one eighteen and one. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's absolutely crazy. I'm writing about this. I think this will run for maybe the same day. Maybe see people will hear this and see this at the same time. Zach, I think as this team starts to get better, and, and of course, as Browns fans are hoping, it's this year, right? There are going to be some mental hurdles that this franchise has to get over. I think one of them is going to be able to, at some point, win in Pittsburgh. You got you, At some point, you're going to have to win in Pittsburgh, probably. Maybe it's a playoff game uh, or a regular season game. They've gone, they've gone forever for that, doing that. They've got to beat both Pittsburgh and Baltimore in the same season. Again, you, 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 you want to try to win the division. Uh, and, but the first one, they get it right out of the chute, what you're just talking about. It's... That's crazy. 118 and one. That is absolutely crazy. I don't think there could be a better uh, statement of intent with this team than to come out and win that game and get that monkey off the back. And so they don't have to hear about it ever again. Because you know this every year, reporters go in and talk to these players. Well, I really haven't been part of that. They've been saying that for 19 years. Yes. Right? It's like every group, like, well, that, you know, we really weren't here. That's really not us. They're like, well, yeah, but it's part of the history. And you, ha- at some point, instead of fans get they like, Don't quit bringing up the negative stuff. Quit. That's in the past. What well, sometimes just face it. This is so. This is a great opportunity right here to go out and show that this is a different Browns team. And I think it's a great chance. There'll be some other mental hurdles coming up in the next couple weeks here. But this is a great chance to go and bury this once and for all. Well, you can't tell the story of the new Browns without the opening record or without the fact that the, the last year's defense that you said was exceptional at taking the ball away for six turnovers and still didn't win that opener, right? <laughs> Tied the freaking game. <laughs> it's great. Well, it was played in a monsoon. I give them a little bit of credit and they didn't lose. But yeah, it's if only the no. Browns could force six turnovers. Yeah, you're and, right. Um and it's against the Steelers. And look, I'll just say this right now, and, and we, we we won't, but we could end the podcast on this. I understand the excitement. I share in a good level of the optimism. And, you know, you look through those first eight games, and it's not going to be easy, but it's going to tell you a lot about the Browns, and it's going to give the Browns a chance to learn about themselves. But for all the hype, all the hope, all the everything, November 14th and December 1, until this team beats the Steelers, this is all bullshit, right? It has to happen. And once it does, then it's all in play. But until it happens – the Browns are just a team to be talked about as a maybe. I don't run from that one bit. No, and nor should they. They should embrace that. If you want to, you know, if this team is going to take that next step, you, you can't, like, win the other 12 games or whatever. It is my math, my public school education isn't good enough. But you have to start knocking these teams out. You have to start beating the Pittsburghs if you want to really go somewhere. Uh and that's what it's going to take. At some point, they're going to have to be able to slay that giant and not just once at home, but maybe do the double in, in a division or win that second game in Pittsburgh late in the season 
when, you know, those are the games that start to decide division titles. Uh, again, get this first win out of the way on, on, on Sunday and build it there. I agree with you 100%, though, on Pittsburgh. That has to be taken down at some point. And, and until then, it's just, as you said, it's, it's, it's a lot of excitement, a lot of potential, but you got to turn the potential into results at some point. Two Monday night games in the first five weeks. This is a franchise that's played one Monday night game this decade. Um, someone asked me if they thought that Jim Nance has ever even been to First Energy Stadium before. He'll have the call week one. Uh, the, this Patriots game and the Steelers game uh, in Pittsburgh are also set up in that, that uh, not prime time, but that prime CBS National 425 window. And the Thursday nighter in early November, as the Browns have played divisional Thursday night games over the past five or six years, it's always been an NFL network, not this one. This is the national network um, Thursday night game. It's a game everybody wants to see. It's a game a lot of people, including me, think um, will go a long way towards deciding the AFC North champion. So we will see. Um, Let's get into a little bit of more current stuff. I think we touched on a lot of the the big picture stuff going back. I am shocked that they're going with two rookie kickers. I think there's a risk in it. Now, I'm not saying the season's over or that it will cost them the Super Bowl. And I've seen Austin Seibert the last two preseason games be a completely different guy than he was early in camp. But to to give up the precision, the poise, the experience of Britton Colquitt and to go with a rookie kicker who you don't know, who has not kicked in big spots, has not ever kicked in an NFL game. Obviously, he's a rookie. Uh, Tom, I, I, I would say I have an uncomfortable feeling about this these decisions coming back to bite the Browns sooner or later or possibly both. Yeah, I mean it's it's not yeah. I, I think that's without question that was the the one big surprise yesterday, the decision and and no, nothing necessarily against Jamie Gillum, but just again having two rookies. Also Gillum is also your holder uh for your rookie kicker. Uh yeah, it's a little it's a little unorthodox, uh, but again, it seems to fit. It seems to fit with John Dorsey's not being afraid, uh, and these guys aren't afraid to take chances or or risk. Where you, again, I think that the, the safe play on this was to was to to to, to keep Colquitt and and let Gillen go elsewhere. Uh, but this is the way they're going to do it. But I I agree with you. I think if everyone's going to kind of Hold their breath for a while until both of those guys can prove uh, they can be counted on. Yeah, I mean, th- this is this is not Austin Seibert's fault uh, one bit, but the first time he kicks a field goal, the stadium, which is going to be absolutely electric next Sunday, uh, is going to be pin drop quiet because people are going to be so nervous they're going to want to throw up, right? <laughs> and, and I just uh, – maybe that was unavoidable anyway. But it just it, it seemed crazy. Now, I, I did say all along I was expecting some surprises because when you have a new special teams coach and a new defensive coordinator, those guys do, and they should, have input on, on who plays for them. right? So obviously Mike Prefer, who's been around this league for a long time, uh, the Browns thought that he was a priority plus type hire uh, back when they made it in January. Um, he had input. He says Jamie Gillen's ready to go. You know, He says Austin Seibert is ready to go. So we will find out. It's a team that still doesn't have a return specialist. I know there were some other moves um, leaning out there. I know Dearness Johnson and Dontrell Hilliard handled it, uh, especially with kickoffs anymore. That's not a huge part of the game. You just need to secure the ball. You don't want to lose a game that way. Yeah. Um, 
We'll see. I, I think the other thing looming out there, we pretty much know who's going to play. It appears that Terrence Mitchell will be the starting corner, although I think Greedy will play. I think as long as TJ carries back from his hamstring issue, he will play on the slot. I think all those guys will play. Um, Eric Kush has been the starting right guard the entire preseason, really except for the first seven, eight days at camp. Um, they added Wyatt Teller, who's now been in the building for just a couple of days, has not had a full practice yet with his new teammates. Um, but the read I get on that, Tom, is you start with Kush and you hold your breath and see what happens. Obviously, if they thought he was 100% the guy, they wouldn't be making a trade on the day of the preseason finale uh, to add more competition. Yeah, no, I think that's a perfect perfect uh, assessment of the situation. Uh, and then they went out and added another guard, I, I think more of a depth signing, but the guy from the Packers, they added a guy from the Packers too, correct? Yeah, they made a trade for um, yeah, right. another guard, a pick swap. So I think that's more of a trade. I think Teller is probably considered. Um, yeah, right, right. You know, in, in there, and they'll give give the other guy. Very rarely um, is a move of significance made on these weekends, but you you know you're trying guys out, and really, um, you know, Dorsey's second full season in charge. He's had his guys with him, um, new coaches in new roles, but Freddie was here last year. Uh, the defensive backs coach, Dwayne Walker, was here last year. So the, they have a feel for for some of these guys. And by the time you get to end the camp, if you don't think a guy's good enough, then, heck, you might as well take a shot on looking outside, bringing in some guys. Yeah, and, and if see, I – yeah. Well, I, I just think the point is a lot gets made of the 53 because that's what you count down to and you have to be there by a certain day. But it's in flux. And over the course of the season, 60, 65, 70 guys are going to play for you. And there's someone that none of us could name and a lot of you wouldn't recognize, right? And maybe I'm speaking for us when I say that, who's going to be involved in a play this season that is an impactful for the Browns one way or the other. Yeah, without question. The, uh, to me, I've always looked at the NFL rosters as kind of a working document, right? It, it, it changes uh, all the time. Uh, you know, to give an example of what you just said about a player that uh, can change things and make a huge play, positive or negative, you know, I, I always joke, uh, Fozzie Whitaker got everybody fired in 2013. And the guy that did not uh, handle the onside kick in New England where they the Browns collapsed uh, against the Patriots where they had like a 10 or 13 point lead in the final minutes. Uh, so, yeah, there's someone at the bottom of the roster at some point is going to make a great play pro or con uh, that at, at, at some point in the season. So, Jamie Meter, right? J- Jamie Meter. Saved them from going 0-32, correct? <laughs> yes, he did. Did he not block the field goal? Was I, I wasn't covering the team that year, but I... Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, those guys happen, and, and that's... You know, it's it's weird. It's 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 As much as we hate, I think fans and the media kind of hate that fourth preseason game, you talk to coaches, and as long as this format's going to stay the way it is, they're like, no, we have to have that game because it's a chance to let those bottom guys of the roster work themselves out and maybe somebody does catch your eye that you may be able to use at some point and uh we'll see and and as, i think you've been we've been talking the last couple of minutes about the special teams my goodness were they bad last year right all of oh. just just about except for the punting the punting wasn't that bad but how many missed field goals how many poor just special teams plays you know and little penalties things or big things punt. penalties on every punt Missed right, little goals. things on little things become big things when when the games are tight. And um, no, no doubt about it. Um, you know, you start naming the positives, and obviously, you start with the headline players. And 
um, the maturation and further development of Miles Garrett. But really, you can say that the special teams couldn't possibly be any worse. Right. right. Yeah, right. Um, you know, I think defenses will play Baker differently in certain situations because they've seen him. But I also think he'll continue to develop. He made 13 starts. Right. There's things that he, he, he never worked with the ones in training camp or the or right. OTAs. Right. There's just little things, little communication things. Um, you know, thank goodness we're away from the preseason time. But there there are benefits to the preseason for the coaches, for the mid to bottom of the roster guys. You refine some things because when you get out of here on Sunday, it counts. And the Browns are under scrutiny and in the spotlight like never before. And you don't you know, you can't say they're a pretty loose group, pretty young group. Right. But there are times when it comes in and you see guys playing like they have to play perfectly. Like if they don't win this game, it's all over. You would hope that and you would think that's not going to be the case here. But this is a brand brave new world that these Cleveland Browns are suddenly uh, the party they're trying to crash. Yeah, I think that, that, that for me, for the coaching staff particularly, I think there's more pressure there because you hope for Freddie's sake, again, you, you've You've documented it very well about he just seems like he seems like a nice fit here, but the pressure is on him because Baker's not going anywhere. Uh, some of these guys that they've brought in aren't going anywhere, even if things don't go the well, way they want it to this year. I think to me, the most exciting thing about the start of this season and really the start of this uh, next couple years is this window's wide open and it's not just one player. There's a handful, seven, eight, players that if this core can come together they are going to contend for a long time and to me that if I were a Browns fan that makes me the most excited if, if they win 10 games or more this year great if they fall a little short and miss the playoffs this year as long as I'm seeing progress from those guys from that group that is that to me is the most exciting thing about this team I think what you just said there is completely fair and accurate However, I think it's also fair to say if this team doesn't make the playoffs, it will be considered a disappointment given the talent on hand. Oh yeah, and, and I think, but I think that goes back to the coaching, right? I think it's it it's not going to fall necessarily as much on the players as it is who's running the players. Uh, that's where I, where I think we kind of agree that Freddie's under Freddie's under some uh, a lot of expectation this year, and maybe some of it's a little unfair, but the hype has been there, and they have not they have not run away from it. Now, now it's it's time. There's no more talk. They're, they're teeing it up on Sunday. All right, again, to kind of lay it out for you guys, uh, the Browns back at practice on Monday. Players will have their standard Tuesday day off. Um, the real work week in the NFL, uh, Wednesday to Friday, begins Wednesday, counting down to Sunday. At The Athletic, we're always working. Uh, we have stuff we've been um, working on for weeks that we're going to unveil this week. We already did Jason and Tom's uh, kind of analysis of why the Browns can live up to the hype, why it might all go wrong. I've got a feature on Baker Mayfield. Tom is writing about um, some of the things they have to overcome, including the openers. What what else am I leaving out? What else do we have coming this week? I think Jason has something more on uh, on Freddie, yeah, and also something on on, on kicking. So uh, there's, we will have a lot of stuff. There's always going to be stuff cropping up through the course. Yeah, of the I have my predictions column as well. So I'm gonna I'm gonna lay off podcast wise at least this time and sharing them because I haven't finalized that column yet. But um, I think last year I started with a kind of a mild, a spicy, and a, and a flaming hot take, uh, the three categories for my predictions. So uh, I'm excited to finish those and, and unveil those. Again, the podcast, it's called Civilized Barking. We're glad you're here. We hope you tell a friend. Um, sometime around Thursday, we will be back. Um, 
Who exactly will be our guests? I don't know, but we will be diving in more to Sunday's game. Who are the Titans? Um, what are the what the heck are they going to do with Taylor Juan, Taylor Lewan suspended against Miles Garrett? Um, you know what what can Marcus Mariota do? Mike Vrabel coming home here. Um, might 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 Mike Vrabel have been the Browns coach had they not forced Hugh Jackson, uh, John Dorsey, to keep Hugh Jackson the first year? Maybe we'll get into that, but we'll get you ready for Sunday here on Civilized Barking, and we hope you'll come back to the Athletic app every day. Where among the three of us, uh, we're going to have upwards of of ten, upwards of a dozen articles, um, all sorts of big picture preview stuff, and, and getting you covered. Finally, finally, Tom, real football in a season where you expect the Browns to be in the playoffs. Yeah, should be a fun ride. Should be a fun ride. He's Tom Reed. I'm Zach Jackson. This has been Civilized Barking. We'll talk to you later in the week.